Hey, Toppy. You know, it's our 16th episode that we're coming up on here. Already? I know. It just flew by, and it's getting to be the warmer time of the year, and people are uh, getting ready for prom. Now, when uh, people are having their sweet 16, a lot of times they're getting ready to go to prom. Did you go to yours? Well, I'll tell you, I didn't really. Uh, I had I, never dated a girl in my life. And I just didn't go to the prom. It just didn't interest me. Hmm. Well, you know, I didn't have a date when I went. I just kind of went for the sake of saying I once went to my prom. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I but I had to go to show everyone off because I, I had uh, the best tucks. I had uh, I had tails and I had had my... My shoulder-length hair at the time. No, it wasn't the 80s. Um, <laughs> I, I, had, I had blonde highlights in my shoulder-length hair. And, you know, I sat with the singles. And we had a moment where we might have thought about the movie Carrie and how we would have um, maybe sabotaged the prom. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh, but yes, it is prom season. And we are on our sweet 16. This is episode 16. Can yeah, you believe here it? Here we are in Spud's Flats, DJ... Uh in the marionette theater right in the balcony uh gertie's gonna be here any minute to do the intro yeah i'm here already right. <laughs> i hate those stairs oh well let's get this going here all righty david mann is a high-strung businessman on a road trip with a tractor trailer hot on his heels Grab your sunglasses, your car keys, and your favorite dummy relief. <laughs> I enjoy chiclets. Yeah, we're going for a drive in the winding hills of California. There's road raid, car trouble, and panicked moments of machismo in Steven Spielberg's 1971 TV movie, Duel. Hit it, boys. What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen, a pinch of the golden oldies, and a smidgen of streaming? It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host DJ and Toppy. Good evening, fine folks. Welcome to the Marionette Theater, the historical Marionette Theater. And uh, we are joined together here tonight by a great love of film and television trivia. Matinee Minutia is not your ordinary podcast about film and television, no siree. This is where we tell you about what went on behind the scenes and to the planning and the making of that show we're talking about. So You've got a little bit of the inside info. We sure do. And so tonight is our senior showgirl was telling us we're talking about a 70s TV movie by none other than Mr. Steven Spielberg. Very exciting. 1971, that's a long time ago. And uh, it ended up being a super popular TV movie uh, that had wide critical and audience acclaim. So, DJ, we're talking about 1971. Set the stage for us. What was going on in the world in 1971? All righty. Well, in 71, and this is typically in 60 seconds or so, we have the uniform. Monday Holiday Act. So before 71, holidays might have fallen on different days of the week, but if you're a federal employee, like you at the post office, holidays at that point were going to be strictly observed on Mondays only. Uh, in 71, a ban on cigarette ads in television and radio took effect. Satchel Paige became the first black league player to get voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And I love that name, Satchel satchel we also have congress discontinues the funding for supersonic transport you know the concord oh yeah that was a good movie oh yes boeing boeing uh while the funding for that was taken away and it was the end of the beginning of the end for that mode of transportation sadly i never got to go uh not that i could afford it but the first starbucks opens in seattle in 71 oh. so you're uh you know tip-top priced cup of coffee yeah. The U.S. ended its trade embargo of China. You know, they say Nixon, only Nixon could go to China. Well, that's what Mr. Spock said in Star Trek VI anyways. In mm -hmm. the 26th Amendment lowered the voting age from 21 to 18. The U.S. dropped the gold standard. It used to be we had Fort Knox backing up the national uh, funds. And, well, after 71, that wasn't the case. Of course, it might have had something to do with Nixon. Who knows? Uh, the U.S. Postal Service spun off. Everyone believes it's a part of the government. Well, 
maybe kind of on paper, but it's actually its own corporation as of 71. And then uh, Walt Disney World opened in Orlando for the first time in 1971. Uh, that uh, that surprised me because uh, I guess I just thought it had opened long before that. Um, I think you mentioned that you were there in the early days and didn't realize it. No, I was there in like 73 or 74, something like that. I And I had no idea it was that. Hmm. And then lastly, in 71, the world of computers took a turn. Intel released the first commercially available microprocessor, so it wouldn't be long before we would have computers that would fit in a single room of your home. Yeah, and actually that ties into our director of Duel because uh, 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 Mr. Spielberg's father uh, had something to do with one of the first computers of its kind. So, um, you know, I think long before anything like a microprocessor, but still in the 50s, I believe he had developed something here. He was part of developing some kind of computer and was certainly part of the evolution of the computer as we know it. Hmm. So also part of our discussion on the world of events from the year we have the folks that are part of media today and some of them entered the world in 71 toppy tell us who are some of the celebrities born in 71 well you got the singer mary j blige mm-hmm. we have an actress uh, she's from 227 and miss a movie miss congeniality 2 with sandra bullock her name is regina kane uh we've got from lord of the rings sean astin that's patty duke's son i do believe i wondered i wondered We've got Shannon Doherty, the infamous, uh, uh, from a a TV series called 90210 that was a kind of a hit of its day. John Billingsley, now he's from, uh, did a a turn in Star Trek Enterprise. Did you, what character did he play? He was actually the doctor on that, and that was Scott Uh, Bakula's Star Trek show. Oh, so he was in the heavy makeup. He was, and in fact, um, just a side note, John Billingsley actually got his audition, so to speak, for TV on uh, a spinoff from the X-Files. It was called The Lone Gunman, so he was one of those types that believed in government conspiracies, and it, it only lasted a few episodes, but that was got he, him. Was he one of the Lone Gunmen? I do believe so. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. I love his character as the Doctor Honest. He was a very good character. So also born that year, 71, Chris Tucker. Uh, He did some of those Rush Hour movies. With Jackie Chan. That's right. Amy Poehler. Now... Who's that? DJ Klubian. She's a comic and a producer. Uh, she has been part of the Saturday Night Live legacy of more recent years. All right, I believe you. Winona Ryder uh, of the Heathers, famously, of a much later movie, Black Swan. Also more recently, uh, she was the mom in that uh, Netflix TV series, of which I'm totally forgetting the name. Oh, Stranger Things. Good call. That's right. That's right. And finally, uh, we have Mark Wahlberg. He of the three nipples, or the legend of the three nipples. I don't know if that's true. Of course, he started out as a model, or did he start out as a singer? I'm not sure. But at any rate, he uh, became involved in Hollywood. Boogie Nights was one of his uh, big movies, and then there was uh, Ted, and uh, I think he did one of the Planet of the Apes movies, the first one, he, first remake. He did. It was pretty good. Now, a side note on Mr. Wahlberg that was pretty interesting I read recently. Yeah. Apparently, he uh being of a, of a family of of a known standing in the state of Massachusetts where he's from he's a devout catholic apparently and in an effort to make uh repairs of his uh, his uh, personality and his presence in media, he actually wrote to the Pope and said, I'm so sorry for playing a porn star, but of course the joke was, it was all a joke. His fingers were crossed and there might have been a wink. It was all for his fans. Ah. Oh my God, I don't remember that. So those were some folks born in 71. Now, uh, this was a TV movie duel that aired on ABC in 71. What would have uh, been some of the other things Alrighty, so competing for your attention on the boob tube, as they called it, back in 71 on the same network that 
Duel was premiered, and I think that was in the fall of 71 at the time. Uh, this uh, network, ABC, also had Shirley MacLaine's debut on television. She had a series of her own called Shirley's World. No memory whatsoever. <laughs> you also had on the Peacock Network, NBC, they had a long-running uh, hospital show called Emergency. Ah. Yes. We also had a show that was the start on TV of Mr. Don Adams that later did Get Smart, which was called The Partners. Right. Now, actually, he did uh, Get Smart before The Partners. Oh, okay. Backwards here. So, uh, And then also on the Peacock Network, you had a show starring Mr. Larry Hagman called The Good Life. Now, Larry Hagman, of course, some of you will remember, was on I Dream of Jeannie with Barbara Eden, but he was also on the long-running CBS show, Dallas, which was one of my favorites, a soap opera. Speaking of CBS, the Eyeball, or the Big Brother Network as we call it these days, and that year in 71, we got the new Dick Van Dyke show, which was made possible because they decided to build a set near Dick Van Dyke, living in Arizona at the time, I do believe. He said, nope, I'm not moving back to Hollywood. If you want to do a show with me in it, you got to do it near me. Ah, well, he had the name to do it. And lastly, in 71, we had the start on TV for Miss Sandy Duncan, who was later on in the 80s TV show, The Hogan Family. But she got her start on a TV show called Funny Face, and they only ran that for a season before they changed the name of the show to The Sandy Duncan Show. Yeah. I don't think any of the shows we mentioned, aside from Emergency, which was a solid hit for many years, I don't think any of those other shows made it past a half or one season. Oh, well, you know, that's a hint to our listeners. That might mean that these are subject to a future episode. <laughs> well, we do like the we do like the underdog here <laughs> on uh, Man Named Minutia. So we'll get to uh, we are at the uh, the sh uh, TV movie duel directed by Steven Spielberg. We'll get back to him. Uh, but uh, the cast was uh, had uh, a very few actors in it. And uh, the main protagonist was portrayed by Dennis Weaver as uh, I think it was David Mann was it not it was now since we're starting to talk about the cast and we're actually getting to the the program would now be a good time to play one of our clips absolutely uh, play that uh, clip one okay here we go So, DJ, why don't you give us a uh, skip down the notes there to the story and just give us the little synopsis of what it was about. Okay, down to the story. So, while traveling through the desert for an appointment with a client, the businessman, David Mann, from California, passes a slow and old tanker truck. The psychotic truck driver feels offended. He even waves him on and chases David along the empty highway, trying to kill him. Thus the uh, the idea of the duel, this little car. What did we call it? A Valiant? Uh -oh. Yeah, it was a, a, for the time it was considered a mid-sized car and it was a Plymouth Valiant. So it was supposed to be the everyday man's car. Right. And uh, that is exactly what David Mann was in the script. The everyman, just the average ordinary worker guy who was just trying to make a living, just trying to go to a business meeting. He had just left home and he just wanted to get to the business meeting. But lo and behold, he gets embroiled in this unexpected, uninvited uh, trap by what? turns out to be absolutely uh, some kind of psychotic truck driver who has, a story alludes to, uh, murdered many other people on the road because every time he scores a hit or a kill, he puts the license plate of that town or uh, location on his truck so he's got all these little like almost like notches in the gun and uh, he, we don't 
we never learn why. We don't ever learn why this guy is the way he is. He's just an unstoppable force in this movie. And, you know, to add to the hysteria, the truck that's chasing him, it was picked specifically because it bared a likeness to a person's face. Steven Spielberg, the director of this film, had a choice of several different vehicles, but he chose specifically the Peterbilt because the front grille and the headlights resembled a face chasing you. Hmm. Yeah, so let's get to uh, Dennis Weaver, uh, the unlikely star of this uh, movie. Um, Basically, uh, Dennis Weaver had had a a career in in television since the 50s, and uh, he got a few uh, really big bump-ups in the late 60s, early 70s, and Universal kind of owned him, and they also owned this property duel and they said hey uh kid spielberg hey uh we've got this guy his name's dennis weaver he's got high numbers from surveys the public really likes him so use him in the okay and as it turned out spielberg didn't mind because he knew just by looking at weaver that he looked like the everyman and so he was perfect and actually dennis weaver excelled in the role i don't think he gets enough credit in his acting role in this and um he was already doing well with his biggest score ever as the lead character in a TV series called McLeod, which was uh, a kind of a fish out of water cop show. Uh, Dennis Weaver came from, I think, New Mexico. He went to some big city. He was kind of a cowboy and he was a little out of place. Uh, in the city, but he solved crimes and did it in an unusual kind of, uh, well, uh, cowboy way. <laughs> he certainly liked to ride his horse. And that, that was uh, a pop, became a very popular TV show. And, uh, and he went uh, right from that into Duel. But before all of that, Dennis Weaver had a history uh, starting in 55 on, on television uh, doing you know unremarkable roles um and then he finally scored uh his first um solo series it was called kentucky jones and uh, it lasted for 26 episodes in 1965 shortly after that he scored the lead role in gentle ben a boy and his bear Get into adventures in the Florida Everglades, and uh, that lasted for about three seasons. And then uh, there were a lot of uh, boy with pet uh, TV shows at the time: Flipper, Doctari, Tarzan. There were there were a number. Of, it was a big thing back then. Half hour dramatic series with kids and their animals. And then he was offered the lead role in McLeod in 1970. He played Sam McLeod, and uh, and then of course made his way into duel and uh we also have uh, another actress that played in a very brief scene his wife dj who was that well the actress who got to play his wife and it was basically just for the purpose of a phone call because the the beginning of the film starts off with david mann the main character listening to a radio call-in show and of course It's the 70s, so we're talking about the battle of the sexes and equality, and this particular man is questioning whether he should be the head of the household on the census form at the time, because, well, while he was the man of the house, he wasn't the one who was working. So uh, David Mann ends up having to call his wife once he makes his first stop on his road trip, and he's, he's, you know, ruffled a bit because the truck has chased him to the point where his car ends up crashing into the fence where he ends up stopping for, uh, well, to uh, use the restroom and to, you know, splash some water on his face. But um, Jacqueline Scott got to be the wife, not even in 15 minutes of the show. She was on the phone call with him. And the other things that Miss Scott has been known for, other than being in Duel, she had a career in television. And in 63, she was in a TV series that later inspired a movie with Harrison Ford in the 90s called The Fugitive. Very popular. And uh, this was alongside David Jansen and William Conrad. And in The Fugitive, she played, well, The Fugitive's uh, sister. So she was on that for a bit, uh, actually for 
few years, and just three years later, after Duel, she starred in the one-season TV version fan favorite of Planet of the Apes, which of course followed three theatrical, or sorry, four theatrical films of the same series. Five, five. Oh, um, yeah, uh, it was uh, not exactly hit. There were 13 episodes. I loved every single one of them. I was an ape fanatic. So um, uh, there's a few, very few other stars uh, or actors in this because it's primarily uh, a piece that shines uh, Dennis Weaver and as the lone victim on the highway and uh, it's it's a bit of a tour de force but there are some other notables in there there's a scene uh, that takes place off the highway at a, a little gas station that also features strange animals as uh, highway um, tour spots tended to do at the time and that it was a character named Lucille Benson. I think that's clip two. Why don't we play that? Okay, here we go. Hi, help you, miss. We got a tow. Out and back. Car. Uh, well, you can uh, put what Ethel you can get in the tank. Rocky? Do you mind checking those radiator hoses? I'll do that. Take a look at my snakes if you have time. Telephone booth. I'd like to report a truck driver that's been endangering my life. Right, well, give me the police. Whichever's closer. Uh, this, this number is 981. Right. And right there, we had in the foreground Dennis Weaver in the phone booth, which was the type of phone booth they used to have back in the day. It was totally enclosed space. And behind him is the truck. And uh, Dennis Weaver wanted to do as many of the stunts that he could. And that really was him in the phone booth with the truck barreling through. It was all done in one take with several cameras. They only had time to do it once. And uh, they nailed it the first time. And you swear Dennis Weaver only had seconds to get out of that phone booth. It was a bit of trickery uh, due to um, uh, the camera being in front and, and the kind of lens that was used. Dennis Weaver was never actually in any danger whatsoever. And the truck driver was a stuntman who had several uh, opportunities to swerve out of the way if there had been any problems. So it was very well staged it was very safe but when you see it you swear that weaver had seconds to dive out of that phone booth and it's quite a wonderful uh, dramatic scene hmm. now the lady that you heard speaking at the beginning of that clip the uh, the gas station lady that was miss lucille benson and she was a character actor and uh, some of the other things that you could find her in not very long after this uh, in 81 she was in the second halloween film but you know what i find most interesting because i like the underdog as we've established uh there was a 1980s series that launched the career of mr tom hanks and it was called bosom buddies no. <laughs> uh, was she lucille benson worked at the front desk of the hotel where the ladies lived and of course this tv show starred a uh a female comic wendy joe sperber so that just gives you an idea of the character she played she was on bosom buddies where two men had to dress as women because they couldn't find an apartment in the city except for the ladies' hotel. She was a million thing. Once you see her face, you'll just say, oh yeah, that lady. She kind of has a, a very dis, uh, distinctive voice. Um, you might you might even have recognized her from the voice. So the two other main uh, cast members were actually never seen in the movie. Eddie Firestone, a stunt driver, he drove in uh, many of the scenes with the Red Valiant. And then Carrie Lofton uh, was a, another person professional stuntman and steven spielberg relied on these guys a lot he had to uh because Spiel spielberg didn't know how to do these things but these two men did and uh, they gave him a lot of ideas how to do safely on how to make it look dramatic and uh guess what they had 13 days to shoot. Not on a stage, not with a backlit uh, filmed uh, road going by where it looked fake. Spielberg insisted, no, if this is going to be 
a dramatic, tense film. People have to believe this is really happening. We cannot do this on a stage. We have to be on location. And he won the producers over, and they said, well, okay, but you got 13 days. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I call a summer project. Right, and uh, Spielberg was big on doing storyboards. He really didn't have time to do one, but what he did have time to do was create this huge map uh, after he had scoured the pieces of the highway that he knew he was going to use. uh, And they took a detailed map of the area and he would just draw on there. This is the part where uh, the truck bumps into the Valiant's fender. This is the part where the Valiant goes over the road. This is the part on the map where he pulls in uh, crashes into the fence uh, outside the restaurant, etc., etc. So he used that map kind of like a storyboard, but more like a Bible as to I need to get from this point to that point today. We need to cover all of that. So he had this map, and it was really his Bible, <laughs> and uh, and he succeeded. And we are about at that point where we're in the middle of our show, so we're going to give you guys just a brief break here. It's intermission time, folks, so hurry, hurry, hurry. Step right over to our refreshment center for the most extravagant array of refreshment goodies ever assembled under one roof. Yeah, that would be me down at concession. A-holes. Gertie. I'm sorry. Uh, Folks, what you're going to hear is the soundtrack, uh, part of the soundtrack to Duel. It's by Billy Goldenberg. Spielberg told him, I don't really kind of want strings or horns or music per se. I want sounds. I want percussion. Uh, I want you to go crazy wild with it. And that is exactly what Goldberg did uh, a very unusual soundtrack that was very effective and uh, here's part of it right now So we've been talking about the storyline and we introduced some of the cast, but uh, we just gave you a taste of who was behind the making of this film. Natapi, we're at the point where we mentioned the folks responsible for this and you started discussing Mr. Steven Spielberg. Tell us a little more about him. Are you there, Toppy? Toppy, I think you're muted. Are you there? Forgive me, I was. Um, let me just uh, comment on the music once more. If anybody has seen the original theatrical release of Planet of the Apes, I have to believe he was inspired by that movie that was done in the late 60s because there's a lot of similarities. But there were a lot of weird things he had to do to achieve those sounds. Um, And it it, it was not a simple thing to do. So, yeah, as far as the creative cast, we know Spielberg. But let's get into him last let's get into the writer which is richard matheson and he was a very in-demand writer at this time and a very very busy writer at this time he was very busy but he was uh writing uh novels novellas short stories and the like and lots of scripts for television series and anyone who is an aficionado of genre movies of horror or or thrillers um, or the like the likes of the twilight zone or uh, anything like that knows of richard matheson and um, for example one of his very first scripts was a movie just a little movie called The Incredible Shrinking Man in 1957, one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, Moving way on up into the 60s, uh, he had many credits, but one is The Raven, which he's very well known for. Uh, The Last Man on Earth is a movie they first did with Vincent Price in 1964. They remade it again as The Omega Man in 1971, based both of them based on Matheson's novel called I Am Legend, and then quite uh, 
uh, recently they remade it as I Am Legend with Will Smith. Hmm. So that was a story that had a, a long life. Uh, among others uh, that uh, I just love is The Legend of Hell House in 1973. That was based on his no- novel, Hell House. Uh, there was a beautiful, beautiful movie called Somewhere in Time that was based on Matheson's novel, Bid Time Return. That movie was made in 1980 with Christopher Reeve. Just a lovely romance story that involved time travel th- via a portrait. Um, and then uh, he did uh, a, a, the fourth segment in the popular Twilight Zone, the movie, uh, at Nightmare at 20,000 feet with John Lithgow. That was in 1983. And then uh, he had a uh, uh, an amusing time writing a uh, one of the first drafts of a little movie called Jaws 3D oh. in 1983, <laughs> which is so bad you kind of have to love it. Uh, and uh, he, he did a treatment early on that he thought was very interesting and uh, that he... Uh, he included uh, a role for Mickey Rooney, and uh, when it came time to do the movie, Mickey Rooney couldn't do it, so that whole thing had to be scrapped. Um, and basically, Matheson said the whole damn movie turned out to be pointless, and he was terribly unhappy with it to the extent that he never even got, and I think he was very happy about it, he never got his name anywhere near that movie or on the script, hmm. but he was heavily involved in the beginning. <laughs> Uh, but he did so many other things, folks. And uh, uh, one of the uh, episodes of Star Trek, the original series, um, this guy was it when it came to spooky things. Oh, two of my other favorite movies from the early 70s, both made for TV. Uh, the uh, original Night Stalker movie that spawned Kolchak the Night Stalker, a one-season wonder uh, with Darren McGavin, and its TV movie sequel, The Night Strangler. Uh, also, he did a, a few other things with director Dan Curtis, who created Dark Shadows. Uh, this guy was it. And it looks like Mr. Matheson had a long and celebrated life we we did lose him just a few years ago in 2013 but he lived to be the age of 87 and uh, you know toppy as i'm looking over mr matheson's uh, resume here it looks like a couple of my favorite movies were among his creations in fact there was a movie done in 98 that had Robin Williams in it called What Dreams May Come. Yes. And that has a very special place in my heart because that film came out uh, just before my father's passing. So, hmm. um, but, uh, you know, something others may not be aware of is that he did a TV movie in 1990 that was based upon the life of author Frank Baum, who created The Wizard of Oz. And that TV movie has not been available for viewing again until recently. They they issued a 75th anniversary box set of The Wizard of Oz. And The Dreamer of Oz, the TV movie, is available as one of the bonus materials. And that's the only place you can find it. Yes, Dreamer of Oz. I've only heard about it. I know next to nothing. Have you, have you seen it? I have. In fact, it has uh, another special place in my heart just simply because it stars the late, great John Ritter in it. Oh, really? Yes, it's a wonderful film. And we shall... Uh, we shall take in a viewing of that in a future visit here. So, yes. uh, so Matheson was a quite accomplished. Yes, I just want to mention one last one because this is every. A lot of people know this one from '75. It was a called Trilogy of Terror, also made for television and uh, also directed by Dan Curtis, who created Dark Shadows. And the last act of that movie was Karen Karen Valentine. Karen, Karen, Karen. What was her name? Yeah, Karen Valentine. And she's running away in her apartment trying to survive the onslaught of this little voodoo doll that has a spear. And this little voodoo doll is running after her in the apartment, stabbing her with a spear and terrorizing her. And uh, she can't get rid of the damn thing until she throws a fire. And I think that's got it. But uh, a lot of people know that one just because that whole, it was a trip that 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 segment now this movie it's it rings a bell did the critter 
end up cutting a hole in a suitcase? I think so. Yeah, she tried to stuff it in a suitcase. And oh my it goodness! Cut his way out. For years, I've had that confused Rosemary's Baby. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, so now we have Mr. Steven Spielberg, who, after this was written, he's the one who put it into perspective for us with the camera and his talents. So, uh, what can you tell us about Mr. Spielberg? Well, important thing about he wanted to be, um, and he had done a few short movies and a few other things and he had uh, filmed a couple of television uh, uh, movies one was the night gallery uh, with rod serling hosting it and uh his his subject was joan crawford and she played someone who was blind and of course at the end there's a, a twist about that and uh i guess he made a friend out of joan crawford she, apparently she was quite taken with him uh which is a little unusual because this was very late in her life and spielberg was so young uh but apparently she said hey folks uh keep your eye on this guy spielberg he's gonna be something someday and of course he did turn out something but uh he was he came across duel his secretary said hey look at the script what do you think uh he read it and said, I can do something with it. And so he set out to do this television movie that was very challenging. And and he flew by the seat of his pants. And what it did is it proved him uh, to be someone who, who, can, who took this little idea and really made it something bigger than it was. It was a highly successful TV movie. No one can say that uh, he did not succeed in what he set out to do. That truck was a horror. You, you, you were afraid of that truck. You felt for Dennis Weaver. It worked. And it was superbly done with so many art artistic flares that he just did on the seat of his pants uh and it impressed everyone and the important thing about this movie is that it set him up to eventually uh for the producers of jaws to say this is this could be our guy this could be our guy to do this shark movie he might be able to do for the shark what he did for that truck in the tv movie and he went on to do even more with that shark and of course that was a huge blockbuster the movie that nearly killed him and yet uh, launched his movie career and also originated the summer blockbuster. And uh, he was, from then on, you know, it was history. But uh, this little tiny TV movie is a lot of, and Spielberg admits it, he says, this was a once-in-a-lifetime thing, doing this movie. And he really acknowledges how important it was for him. So that's the thing to remember about. And you know, up until uh, 2019, Steven Spielberg has 56 directorial credits. And the most recent film of his making that was released to theaters is Ready Player One, a fantastic film, and it, it brings... Uh, the world of video gaming into reality. It's got a little bit of virtual reality mixed in with that. Very unique film. Duel was only his second made-for-television movie, and the first was his episode of 1969's Night Gallery, hosted by Rod Serling. Yeah, that was the one with Joan Croft. Oh, okay. And uh, uh, just in 71 alone, he had six directing credits. His, fir yeah. his first theatrical release was Firelight to 1964. For, and his first major theatrical release was just a handful of years after Duel, starring one of my favorites, Goldie Hawn, and it was called Sugarland Express. And 1974, and uh, that was right before Jaws. Kind of uh, a sentimental favorite, perhaps, although it did not do well at the box. Yeah, but to, just to read the description of Sugarland Express and knowing Goldie Hawn's, and it makes me want to see it. I mean, she breaks her husband out of jail to get a new start for her family. <laughs> Yeah, and isn't it also kind of a road movie where they're 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 being chased or something? Yeah, because I think on the um the uh, the poster art for the film's release, there's a, a semi truck in it too. Yeah, so I think I think Duel probably had a lot to do with him getting that move as well. So. Duel was quite a stepping stone, Spielberg. Um, and, you know, what else can we say about this guy that's had this credible career uh, for decades? I mean, who doesn't love a half dozen more uh, of his movies? You know, whatever you can say about some of his topics, uh, I, I, 
I don't think I've ever seen one did not like. I don't know, but uh, he has an amazing uh, roster of movies that he's done. Some of them are very different. He's matured, naturally, over the years. You know, and when I was growing up, I used to get... A, uh, a movie as a birthday present or a Christmas present. Because back in those days, you know, if you had a family of four kids, every uh, gift was something that you had to put thought into because you maybe didn't have that much. I used to get movies for occasions like birthdays and Christmas. And I remember getting one of my first movies was of E.T., which was done by Mr. Spielberg, Extraterrestrial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so many beloved uh, movies. He also had a hand in a lot of producer roles and he created a lot of not a lot but a number of things for television one was a, a series called amazing stories um and that was quite a thing for its time because it had such a huge budget and they expected it to do so well although oddly enough it was around for about a season i don't know why it wasn't more popular um also uh, he's just had a hand in a, a lot of as a producer and a lot of other for example poltergeist he did not direct them but it has spielberg written all over so before we wind things down toppy there's a couple of subject areas i want to mention on this movie that is kind of a sign of the times now of course we talked about the call-in show that david mann was listening to at the beginning of the film but uh, did you take any hints from the type of life he led like you know maybe by the car or when he stopped at the diner well just that he was the everyman and he was henpecked yeah you know i would say i i wasn't very familiar with the type of car he was driving because you know well of course this movie was made before i was born but that's not that's not a standard for me i love classic films i'll watch anything black and white Heck, it doesn't even matter if it's a silent film if i can find it but... you're my kind of guy <laughs> <laughs> but you know uh, i looked it up and the plymouth valiant that was the car in this film was considered a kind of a mid-sized car but it had no frills there was probably no air conditioning because he was certainly sweating when he was being, you know, uh, tailgated that whole time. And there didn't even seem to be an eight track player, which would have been available in 71 in that car. Right. So he was he had a job uh, and he was trying to support his family. We saw him there with his wife and two kids, but we don't feel that he was making, you know, a really great. And, you know, and then he had an opportunity to, you know, collect himself at the diner there. He he could have ordered his favorite meal, but he was pinching the pennies. What did he have that just made him seem like a downtrodden man? DJ, he had the sad pathetic thin sandwich that i think he just said can you can give me a swiss cheese on rye and this pathetic sandwich ends up on his plate <laughs> that's so sad so very very sad <laughs> oh my god because you know if i've been through a traumatic experience and i want to escape from what's happening i'm gonna order like a sun a hot fudge sundae or something i'm not gonna have the pathetic cheese sandwich and a glass of water Water. Right. Uh, and folks, this diner scene is my favorite scene in the whole movie. I won't go into it, but it is a marvelous scene of paranoia and confrontation and of the little man getting up the courage to figure out what's going on. And it's a wonderful part of the movie. Cannot miss it. Uh, DJ, let's uh, before we go, let's play clip three. Um, I think that's it. I hope so. Play that. Trouble? Well, you know, someone that telephone you come to and call it. Yeah, see that funny. No, 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 there oh, won't yeah. be any trouble. All I'm asking is just call the police. No, ma'am, all I'm asking to do is just to make a phone call. Jim, step on the My plate. life's in danger. I'm Can't sorry, you make a drunk. phone call to the lousy I'm... police for me? Stop it, mister. Well, just drop me off at the nearest station. I'll pay you for it. <laughs> So just in a lovely bit of trivia to end this with, that those two actors that were in this car that, that Dennis Weaver flags down to try to get them to help him, the two actors, uh, Spielberg brought them back for a, a much later movie called uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And both of these actors were in the scene towards the latter part of the movie when uh, Dreyfus and Who's Her Face <laughs> had uh, broken in and uh, they were trying to put them 
on the helicopter to get them out. And uh, in the helicopter with oxygen masks on are those two actors. And Spielberg, because he was kind of a sentimental guy and he loved to do those kinds of things, he remembered Duel, he remembered those two actors, and he said, he called them up and said, come on over and do a day shoot for me and I'll put you in this movie. And so those two actors are in that helicopter scene and if you see him in duel you'll recognize him as the same actors close you know in much the same way that we've talked about films that are not to each other uh, if you listen a few episodes back we talked about the 87 uh, dan Aykroyd film with kim basinger called my stepmother is an alien and very clearly someone was a fan of the 60s barbarella movie now in the same way the older couple that was in Duel, they, they didn't reuse the same actors, but there was the same kind of a trope that occurred in the 19, I want to say 85, Back to the Future film, when yes, Marty yes. is in the 50s and he stops this older couple and they freak out because they're not sure if they should help this young man out. Right. It's not the same actors, but it's definitely a nod to Duel. Uh, also, just to throw this in, uh, the woman we were talking about who was the snake lady as we find fondly call her lucille, lucille benson yeah she uh spielberg brought her back in uh into 1941 uh one of his only box office flops but uh she repeats that role as i think i don't know who it is it might have been belushi lands a plane on a desert road and there's lucille bentz the snake lady <laughs> in almost the exact same uh, roadside gas station uh as this plane so again spielberg just saying just sort of uh having fun with his film history. <laughs> so we are at the part of the show where we talk about uh, what we might recommend if you enjoyed this film, Jewel. So this is what we call What's on Your Snack Tray. And uh, Mr. Smelly, what else do you think our listeners might enjoy if they enjoyed Duel? Well, Duel was a bit of a phenomenon. It was highly successful on TV. Uh, Universal said, whoa. <laughs> Hey, we, you know, I think we kind of got some here. Let's do something with it. So they immediately took the film over and released in the theater. Europe that people had to go to the movie theater in Europe, and uh, to make it long enough to be a legal motion picture, they had to call Spielberg back in to film some additional scenes. Uh, and as a matter of fact, chances are almost one hundred percent. If you've seen Duel, you've seen the theatrical release from Europe, not the original TV movie if this movie begins with dennis weaver pulling out of his garage in his suburban home you're watching the theatrical release for whatever reason the original tv version i i, I don't know if it's absolutely impossible to find or difficult to find or whatever but almost always um if you've seen it you can bet it's probably theatrical. what was i going with all what was i gonna say you were gonna say uh, other things that are similar to duel that you might like <laughs> yes i'm sorry right after duel mm -hmm. which was popular and spawned a lot of some one of the funniest ones is killdozer it's some kind of uh, crazy bulldozer that wants to kill people <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, so that was Killdozer. I think it might have been made for TV. I'm not sure. Uh, then uh, for the theater, James Brolin was in a movie called The Car. And uh, once again, it was just this weird car that was a little more supernatural. But all it really wanted to do was run away. Mm -hmm. uh, more recently, damn it, I didn't get the name of this movie again. Uh, but there was a, a first movie that did rather well. And then two lame sequels. Um these teenagers that pissed off a truck driver on the highway and they're menaced by him through the rest of the movie and did well enough that two sequels came. Uh, DJ, what do you... Well, you know, if you follow us on our Facebook group, Format Name Minutia, and you know the film that Toppy's talking about, go ahead and type it out in our conversations there. Yeah, it's about 10 years old now. Okay, well, other films that I felt followed into the footsteps as dual uh these have fallen under the category of road rage when you're being tailgated by the truck driver in uh, 69 there is easy rider 
kind of a road trip film with motorcycles. Yeah, it is a road trip movie, although where it becomes a bit of road rage is the very sad end. It's all I'll say. <laughs> and then in 83, you have Christine. It's all about a car that, uh, you know, maybe goes through some mayhem. Uh, you have also, uh, a few years later, Michael Douglas did the ultimate going postal movie. Everyone talked about people going postal in those days because there is a famous incident where somebody brought in a gun and maybe uh, took down a few of their co-workers, maybe they were a postal worker. But this yeah. was in 93, and it was called Falling Down, and there's a famous scene where he goes into a fast food restaurant, and he just loses his stuff. Yeah, um, I wouldn't call it road rage, but it certainly is a person rage. It's, it's, a, mo- it's a guy that, that just succumbs to his own inner... But the next movie you got there, Dave, oh, well, this in... is a beaut, yes. and it is right off the blueprint of Duel. Yes, and uh, speaking of Goldie Hawn, who did Spielberg's next film after Jewel, her husband, Mr. Kurt Russell, was in 1997's film Breakdown. And the story to that is this couple is traveling cross-country to go to a new job. They break down by the highway and are helped out by this truck driver. Well, his wife disappears, and for the rest of the film, he's trying to track her down. But when he runs into the same trucker for the first time afterwards, he denies everything he doesn't recognize him so something's up right and this is a beautiful because kurt russell plays this so well as once again just the everyman just a guy with his wife having no clue what's about to happen and he finds himself in this possible predicament where he pretty much has to rustle <laughs> kurt russell rustle up the current to confront the bad guy and he you know and so there it goes a beautiful uh movie uh right out of uh, uh duel okay so we are at the point where we give you a little taste of what's to come where the marionette is a historical building here and we've had a variety of acts here over the years including a a magic act in fact they've left a few things behind in the dressing rooms we found this bag of magic coins and when we throw one in this gumball machine well it gives us a taste of what's to come let's go ahead and do that uh, it's curious Ooh, baby, what do we got? All right, open that up for us, sir. All right. Oh, DJ, uh, I'll hand that to you. Okay. So next week, next time on Matinee Minutia, in two weeks on Friday, June 7th at 9 p.m., we have a mid-90s internet drum with Hmm. cybersecurity, virtual Hmm. reality, and it takes place in the early days of the internet. Hmm. Now, this is a show that aired in the hour time slot before The X-Files in its second season, and it starred Footloose's Lori Singer. She played the daughter with John Lithgow. And it stars the lady known from being Nurse Ratched in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Louise Fletcher. Oh, I love her. Fox's VR5 next time on Matinee Minutia. Oh, old squeaky shoes herself, Nurse Ratched. <laughs> uh, was that also a Fox show? It was. Hmm, all right. I never... Uh never saw it i'll be very it only ran about a dozen or so episodes and some of them didn't air in fact sadly it was never put on to dvd but i'm hoping someone like shout factory who's been known to play to the underdog might take heed all right so all right well we are gonna go ahead and say good night here folks say good night gracie uh, good night, Gracie. And, and by the way, folks, a uh, real cheap, easy way to see Duel is go right onto you. Okay. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our program is live every other Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Go to univospods.net. Click the tower for streaming audio. Enter Discord for our chat room. You can find this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Join our Facebook group or visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Have an idea for a future show or just want to message us? Email at gmail. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcast. Univazpods.net.